आई सी लॉट ऑफ पीपल रैंडमली गेटिंग अ ब्लड टेस्ट फॉर विटामिन डी कम आ जाता है देन दे सप्लीमेंट एंड देन दे फर्गेट अबाउट इट देन दे डोंट रीचेक टू सी कि वेदर इट वर्क इट डिड इन वर्क एंड देन नेक्स्ट टाइम दे चेक इट इज स्टिल लो सो यू डोंट नो वॉट स्ट्रैटेजी वर्क टू ओनली फॉर यू सो आई थिंक गेट योर ब्लड चेक बट डू इट पीरियोडिकली एन्युअली इज डिसेंट फॉर नाउ बट इफ वेन यू डिड योर ब्लड टेस्ट एंड यू रियलाइज इट यू डेफिशेंट ऑन डी बी ट्वेल्व वॉट एवर and then you can decide that after about one quarter i'm going to test just these two things to see ki whatever intervention i planned has it made a difference hello everyone this is vikas and you are on a run with fit page this is episode number 121 that is 121 and so it had to be special Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Mihira Khopkar who is the lead sports nutritionist at Reliance Foundation Hospital. She's someone who not only knows sports nutrition but someone who has been great at sports herself. She's a top class swimmer and national swimmer and now her interest in sport has gotten her to do that is one of the core enablers of doing better in sport. that is having right nutrition for performance and today in the discussion we thought when we think of running and nutrition this is something that people want to contextualize in hyperlocal context people want to discuss this in the context of what we eat and what can we do with our own food fruits and supplements that are locally available that's why i thought mihira is someone who'll add significant value to this conversation in the discussion today not only that we speak about local food that is available for you uh, to perform better but we also discuss about various components of periodized nutrition something that's ignored at times by recreational athletes specifically endurance athletes because we think if we are running almost everything else will fall in place anyway right absolutely wrong it requires nutrition it requires recovery it requires for you to be consistent with your recovery and nutrition as much with your training and in the discussion today we talk about how nutrition at various stages of your training various stages including your taper how you should be looking at food and how you should be looking at consuming one other point that we wanted to address for a really long time that was that how do you go about addressing the question around medical test blood tests that are required for you to first know whether you are healthy or not for you to first figure out are you nutritionally deficient in anything and if you are how do you figure those out what could those parameters be and once you figure that out how should you start to move from being deficient to getting into sufficiency range isn't it important to me it's extremely critical because i feel health always precedes fitness you can only be fit and be able to sustain it if you're healthy and you cannot figure out you being healthy just by looking at you it requires blood work it requires number of tests that will tell your human physiology that will tell a lot about you and your health and that's all of it is what we discussed today with mehra i want you to be very attentive and listen to this conversation i also want you to pause rewind on certain occasions when mehra talks about what kind of tests you should be conducting i think these will be instrumental for you to be able to figure out your baseline and then take it from there let's enjoy our conversation with mehra today and be a better runner be a more informed runner by the end of it let's go mehra welcome to run with fit page it's an absolute pleasure to have you thank you so much for having me we've had some really good conversation before we begun this yeah. so i'm very excited uh, for what's what's in yeah no the 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 background conversations are always uh, interesting and uh, we'll make this uh, even more interesting i think um, yes. how about we start with um, your introduction of where you come from 
and uh, i know why are we here and i'll i'll make sure we stay on the course <laughs> uh, but let's uh, let's talk about uh, what do you do currently and uh, where do you come from so um like i was telling you i've been a swimmer right and um, i swam until 2010ish i was a national swimmer and i always knew i would give back to my sporting fraternity in some of the other way because i as a swimmer didn't have any other support my parents my mom was my psychologist nutritionist hum competitions mein jaate the aur wo ek dusre ke yahan dekhte the ki ye race ke pehle kya kha raha hai ye kya kha rahi hai and then those those were the tips we had as you know uh, what do you do माई डैड यूज टू वॉच एरनोल्ड अलॉट तो हम मुझे एगनॉग भी पिलाया है कच्चे अंडे भी मैंने खाए हैं सब कुछ करा है सो आई थिंक फ्रॉम दैट जर्नी आई आई लर्न दैट वी डेंट हैव एनी सपोर्ट हवेवर वी स्टिल मेड इट टू सम प्लेस बट आई थिंक इफ वी हैड इनफ सपोर्ट कुड वी हैव गॉन टू अनदर लेवल राइट सो आई थिंक दैट्स वेयर माई थाट प्रोसेस वॉज आई डिड माई बैचलर्स इन डायटेटिक्स एंड मास्टर्स इन स्पोर्ट्स न्यूट्रिशन डिड अ फ्यू मोर कोर्सेज and today i work as the lead sports nutritionist at alliance foundation and through which we work with a lot of different federations and we work with different athletes from athletics from weightlifting from badminton swimming all of these guys and work very closely on their nutrition and supplement requirements and like i said like i was telling you about periodizing them i think that's that's one area that i'm very much passionate about and interested in because i feel like if the training is different then your nutrition should be different so that's the impact i'm trying to bring in my little way with the athletes i meet super good and uh, we'll get to periodization in a bit because uh, that is that is pretty relevant to our conversation our target group primarily our listeners are long distance runners um, some are fairly fast and some are good uh, some enjoy uh, and uh, and one thing that's been common is we want to be better we want to be improving from wherever we are and one of the interventions we want to look at is uh, optimizing our nutrition and um, and i thought we'll talk about that today from a long distance running point of view how nutrition can be different how sports nutrition can be different than normal nutrition so how about we start from the very basic what is nutrition and and is it supposed to be different when you are running training um, versus when you are living a normal life to start with what is nutrition i think anything we eat should nourish us simply put yeah. you know the food on the table should nourish us and um, whether you're a sedentary individual or whether you're somebody suffering from any clinical situation or you're a sports uh, enthusiast or an elite you know athlete i think nutrition can be different things for you because you're at different stages of um, life performance as we'd call it uh if you're a sedentary uh, individual nutrition is still very important because you need it for you know the basic mechanisms of your cells your organs uh your metabolism all of that and i think we are again i'm not sure about the facts but we are leading towards becoming the number one country in terms of obesity right in the world so i think so much importance to health has not been given and nutrition is one thing that's universal right that's one thing that we all can control we can control what we eat and if that is one place where we can make some changes i think it can impact a lot in terms of body composition help reduce body fat percentage that will further reduce a lot of inflammation and keep us bay keep us away from all the diseases that are as a result of obesity so that's one message i'd like to give people who are watching in terms of sedentary individuals wanting to make change in their health i think clinical population group is a group that requires special nutrition strategies if you are suffering from an underlying clinical condition so if you have some issues with respect to renal issues kidney issues uh, diabetic individuals hypertensive individuals individuals undergone cardiac issues for all those cases you will have a very specific nutrition strategy that you will follow so that you not just recover from that condition you also prevent uh, it from aggravating in the future so that's uh, for clinical side of things the other aspect like you said is the sports nutrition population group um sports in itself is so dynamic right we call it sports but there are so many different sports and i know that we're talking about long distance running but just to highlight that the energy systems the exercise physiology uh, the way your systems react uh, with the exposure of different trainings will trigger a lot of changes in terms of what fuel you use so as a long distance runner i think the reliance on 
stored carbohydrates and stored fats as triglycerides is humongous right the longer you run the more reliance on fats increases so what your nutrition strategy should be because you are in an aerobic energy system uh, you need oxygen uh, you need to have better aerobic capacity you need to ensure that you have a carbohydrate source of fuel constantly ensuring that your paces are kept at so all of these things become important but only after i understand the sport only after i understand the training requirement and i understand at which level you are starting your sport you can be somebody who's just running as an enthusiast you can be somebody who's competing at a very high level you are somebody who's in between you are competing at various international level uh, marathon races and you are extremely well learned and you want to find out strategies that help push the barrier and keep help you help you improve your performance so a lot of these factors play an important role in deciding what nutrition strategy works for you and just to sort of extend that a little bit what age you are gender specific requirements are different your anthropometric and body composition measurements like i touched upon how much body fat do you have because if you have excess then you're carrying dead weight to run uh, what's your muscle composition uh, what is your current training demands what is your current training routine what marathon are you planning uh, how many months do we have um, what sort of supplements are you using so all of these things need to really be taken into account before we consider the sports nutrition aspect and side of things yeah sorry if that was too long no that was not <laughs> and uh, it is leading to where we are going and so it makes uh, absolute sense i also like the fact that you said um the nutrition should and must nourish you it is the primary uh, reason that we consume nutrients is for us to be nourished and uh, uh, in a in a very holistic way right we should not only feel full not that uh, that our our body is giving signal that you're full but rather we should be for us to live healthy and better uh, we need to be very well nourished uh, what happens is uh, and primarily rtg that listens to the this podcast is they they come from possibly a background where um, they've been sedentary at some point or most of their lives at some point they realized that um, now either the middle age is hitting or they need to get started to um, take some weight off from there it starts and very quickly it becomes uh, a habit for them to aspire to become a marathoner and longer distances for example but in the process what happens the sufficiency of a nutrition that should have been even when they were sedentary was not met and now the the gap starts to become bigger because you start to perform and you start to stress your body even more and you think that just because you're running magically everything is going to turn positive and everything that you eat is going to be digested the way it should be and things like those um and i think we should spend some time there um before we come to the point of periodization like getting to the baseline that's the right baseline before they even get to do anything else is extremely important in my opinion and i wanted your help to understand suppose someone is getting on a training protocol um for several months for example and uh, and they want to make sure that at least they are in sufficiency at that stage what are some of the things they should keep in mind from nutrition point of view i have seen questions and issues coming that i think just with some common knowledge uh, could have been avoided right at times i i i find people being uh, vitamin uh, d3 deficient but they they are actually supplementing themselves with calcium because they think they are they they it have it has vitamin d yes <laughs> so so lot of these things are are coming up i think we should try to myth bust some of these what should be some of the things for them to consider to get to the baseline before we talk more correct. about the, their performances correct so like you rightly said get tested that's the best way to begin with matlab what's happening inside we don't know so best thing is to get tested and i say it get tested in five ways the first way is anthropometry look what how much you weigh first and not from the perspective of i mean i know that we've grown from the fact that weight is not the only indicator of obesity and all of that it's body composition but for an athlete weight is still significant because even if you're somebody with higher muscle mass low body fat and you're a long distance runner that may still not always work for you because you're still carrying extra weight and spending extra energy so weight is important to just check where you are body composition so if you have an access to a really good gym 
that has various body composition machines called as BIA, Bioelectrical Impedance Analysis. Get on them, stand on it, and just get a report of how much body fat, muscle, etc. you have. If you don't have that, and if you have some money to invest, go to any hospital and they'll usually have something called as a DEXA scan, which is considered to be the gold standard in body composition analysis. It is expensive, I think between 2,000 to 3,000 rupees is what it costs, but twice a year is something that you can look at making this investment if you can. If not, the BIA machines available in gyms can cost you between 500 rupees if you're not a member. If you're a member, it's free of cost. So these two things. Um, so get tested on that. So we'll know exactly how much excess body fat we are carrying. So we know how much we want to drop and we can make some goals based on it. The third thing is get your blood checks. So there are various parameters you can get yourself checked with. And as an annual checkup, uh, if you're in the middle age group and you want to start running, I think any which way is annually, you should get all your panels checked. So you know where we are and what what intervention you're making, if it's making any difference. Because I see a lot of people randomly getting a blood test for vitamin D, then they supplement and then they forget about it. Then they don't recheck to see ki whether it worked, it didn't work. And then next time they check, it is still low. So you don't know what strategy worked only for you. So I think get your blood checked, but do it periodically. Annually is decent for now. But if when you did your blood test and you realize that you're deficient on D, B12, whatever, and then you can decide that after about one quarter, I'm going to test just these two things to see ki whatever intervention I planned, has it made a difference or not? So that's very important. You can do different tests from CBCs to ESR to a liver profile, kidney profile, thyroid profile. All of this can become one diabetes profile as one panel. But endurance specific tests that I think you must, must do would be things like um, your vitamin D, vitamin B12, folic acid, and iron studies, ferritin. So these five things I would include as a panel, apart from the basic health checkup that you do anyway, because these are very direct markers of endurance performance, right? If you're deficient in these three, because some of the other way they make your RBCs, and then they make your hemoglobin, and that defines your oxygen carrying capacity. But if you're deficient in all of this, and you're training very hard, you're clearly not making the most of what your body can do. So get these checked for sure, and get it checked every quarter, if not at least every six months. So you know, I mean, especially if you're a proper hardcore marathoner, then at least quarter or six months up karlo. So you know whether you're in that sufficiency range. The other thing I'd like to highlight is that our goal now is to not be deficient. Our goal is not being optimally sufficient, right? So I think we need to change our focus because that changes the narrative only. We want to look at optimum performance. We don't want to look at preventing a deficiency, right? So when you look at that, then you're in the game of performance. So I think these five things are very, very important to do. And after that is done. Just, uh, just there, yes. sorry, uh, to cut you off, because this is so important. One is the point where you said being, um, not, not, not being avoiding deficiency, but rather be optimally sufficient is more important. Like for example, B12, if you're at 230, 300 is not something that, uh, even though you're not going to be getting that bold mark in the numbers, still you want to be at the higher end. So, and you want to be meeting a qualified nutritionist who, who suggests that. Now at the, um, uh, for the test, should we just go through just, just for in 30 seconds to say what are the panels and the test just once more for people to understand what I, what I took away. People should start with basic CBC, um, then of course, I, I also think that um, they should look at their um, cardiac profile, of course, uh, uh, from their kidney uh, will make sense, uh, uh, diabetes uh, type 2 for sure, uh, liver. Um, Even electrolytes. Electrolytes, yes. Become important. Maybe not at like baseline, mm -hmm. but now when you start competing, yeah. uh, you'll start realizing that especially after, like I've had episodes, uh, I mean I've had consultations with people who've finished a marathon, the Mumbai marathon, uh, stay very far. So they took a train from uh, CST and then they went back home to Dombivli or something. And then during the train journey, this person fainted. And then with the help of other people in the train, it's Sunday, right? So Sunday yeah. block bhi hota hai. Yeah. So not yeah. many people, but took this person to the hospital, got the panel tested. And then 
electrolytes yeah. were very low. Mm. Sodium especially was very, very low. So classic case of hyponatremia, yeah. as we call it, very yeah. low sodium levels. When I took his history, I realized that the only uh, was on water. Wow. Didn't take any electrolytes. Yeah. And then after the race was done, everybody was celebrating. So he had nice, that 500 ml ka Coke on top of it. So, you know, these things, you don't, you don't realize it only. Yeah. yeah. But uh, then it sort of uh, comes about, comes up into like a fainting episode and then gets you in the hospital. And what it was? Low sodium. Wow. So, it's a, it, look, uh, people, again, here, the success metric that they look at is that they need to get to the finish line. But they rather need to look at getting to the finish line safely and, and healthy, be, be, and healthy. be healthy it's so important and yeah. uh, and and this is such a typical case i i see almost all the time they think uh, if they are running at best they should be uh, supplementing with water and if they are doing it they're doing a favor on their bodies to be honest the 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 sweat let alone be um, uh, thinking about sweat rate and things like those it's it's a uh, you know at times people start to even uh, talk about that hey I did a long run. I did not consume anything. And I feel good about it. Yeah, That's yeah. not the way to, of course, yeah. go. Uh, but I was at the test. Um, so yes. do, do you want me to list them down? Yes, please. That will be super good. So I think we start with CBC. Mm -hmm. You do an ESR. Yeah. You do the lipid profile. You do the kidney profile. You do the liver profile. You do the thyroid panel if you have a history somewhere. Sure. Um, then you look at all your vitamins and minerals. So that's where you can... In the renal profile, calcium will come. So in the vitamin profile, you'll do vitamin D. You'll do B12. You'll do folic acid. Um, iron is very important as a mineral. So calcium will come in the renal profile. Uh, you'll do iron studies and you'll do ferritin, which will tell you the storage of iron as such. And uh, if you're really the geek trying to figure out where my performance is, why am I not recovering, then you can do other things, which is morning cortisol. Um, you can do total and free testosterone. Uh, you can do creatine phosphokinase to see the level of recovery, all of that. So you can top them up with this. Now, like we were discussing, you should know how to interpret them as well and take the right guidance on what to do from here on, right? You get all of the tests done. Uh, just another example is some of the athletes we work with, you'll see that they'll have high CPK levels. And uh, many doctors or people might just look at it and panic and say that, oh, very high CPK levels. But it's very common for them as athletes because they train at that level of intensity. Uh, and these levels also fluctuate. Sometimes you take after 24 hours, 48 hours, that much time it takes for your body to recover. So you'll find that certain inflammatory markers are still roaming around, right? So it's very important to interpret all of this also correctly and uh, have some strategies that align with those results without uh, over-interpreting them or under-interpreting them. So I think consulting a qualified uh, sports nutritionist and sports physician becomes very important in this scenario. Got it. No, I think this one is uh, very important that... Um they need to interpret it right. Uh, don't be uh, a master by Googling it. It's not going to help. Um, and also go to the qualified sports nutrition. It's something that you continue to emphasize and I want to uh, as well that um, if you just want to go to the nearest nutritionist may not be the, <laughs> the right way, but rather, but rather look for someone that adds relevance to it. Um, one other thing I would want to uh, add that is not live in denial. If there are markers that are off, try to address them. Because by you denying it, by you uh, saying that, hey, it may be one-off case, is not going to help. Specifically, if you want to work on optimizing your performances, isn't it? 100%. I think your health is in your hands. So I, I always say this to my younger athletes who consult me. I tell them that I can tell you what to do. But now you, I cannot put the morsel in your mouth and that also I'll try and do. But then you have to chew it and you have to have it. So I think that um, there's, a, there's a swing in the, in the difference in population groups, groups. Like I have a group of people who are very dedicated, who will do what it takes, who are very conscious of what's happening. They, they care about their health and body too much. And there's other group of people who are like, Dekha I want to run, I'm enjoying, I feel great about it, I will do it. But I feel like 
now is really the time like generally now is the time to take care of your health because that really covid taught us this that is really your wealth right and money will come money will go health if it goes it goes you know it's difficult to sort of repair and come back uh, without the right intervention so i feel health hai to sab hai if you talk about running performance all of that but if your basic health is not in the correct you know position and correct situation then that performance meeting is very difficult and everything of course i'm a nutritionist so i'll give you nutrition guidelines but everything is behavior everything is belief so if you believe in the fact that i can clock this time in my marathon and you will automatically be focused on the nutrition strategy that is going to work for you so i already say it in the present tense it will work for you if you believe in it and if you trial and error figure out what works and then believe in that strategy i think if you do that there's no stopping you so lot of behavioral change and mind and everything is involved in it sure no uh, that sets the right base for us to move forward uh, which i am very excited about <laughs> um you know you believe in it when you know of it and you believe in it when i when you know more about it how do you do things right and knowledge is the biggest confidence booster and such is the case in performances as well um we we find coaches easily and also it's i'll be honest it's easier to coach um but it is more difficult to be able to get right nutrition interventions it even becomes more important um to keep certain contraindications limitations in mind when you performing and uh, and you want everything to be optimum also because remember backstage we were talking about our bodies are amazing but not necessarily you know everything about it right so now when when the person starts the person has this hope that they are going to turn up every day they are going to be consistent they are going to be hitting all the paces that are required to be for a long period of time and come the berlin marathon or any other you're going to get your pr but here comes your immunity is com- compromised your hrv goes down you see number of markers are off and um, you start to see you are either overtrained your nutrition is not right you're not sleeping well etc when we think from nutrition point of view as you get on to your marathon journey how do you periodize your nutrition and i'm 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 talking also from the point that much similar to when you coach uh you start to first look at building base as you build the base then you start to build bring power and speed you start to look at peaking thereafter which you want to sustain and then uh taper um and right then then you turn up to the race and then you recover right i know for sure it's very similar in nutrition and a lot more complicated of course um i wanted to go through that journey with you how do you think one should approach their marathon journey um at different period scales and what should be their nutrition strategies and we can pick up one by one and uh, of course i'll have more quick questions as we progress perfect i think you um, built this foundation really well when you sort of said that you want to build the base yeah. then you work on speed and strength yeah. then you sort of are in a phase or you first doing mileages then you're doing speed strength and then yeah. you're doing taper and then that's your race so i think if you just take these blocks your nutrition goals should also be aligning with these blocks right so you periodize based on which race you want to run and which race you want to peak so if you take the example of september uh, where berlin's happening and if some of the listeners are going for it um, there's very little time left but if you look at 20 weeks or 4 months or 5 yeah. months that you yeah. have with you yeah the fifth month so you start backwards yeah. right so fifth month is where i want to start working on my uh, body composition i want to start getting my blood test done and see where i'm at so i'm five months away from my marathon the first thing i want to do is take care of my body composition and blood work that allows me four weeks eight weeks to sort of work a little bit on those parameters get my hemoglobin up get my iron stores up get my b12 up all of these things so that i don't land up on a compromised immunity so my strategy is always preventative than treatment right you don't wait to become deficient and then you supplement you take care of it beforehand how do you do that by constantly checking where you are and before you start anything you first check so like we discussed 
you check where you are and uh, based on that you will have to do certain interventions maybe it's dropping a little bit of body fat percentage most of the runners especially middle aged runners who come to me are in the range of 20 to 25% men women are 25 to 30% right but in terms of fat percentage but the very practical goal that you can look at having is at least come sub 20 because this population group are not they're not hardcore athletes alone they have a job to take care of they have family to take care of right so it's a lot of pressure so you can't expect to be 5 and 6% like a top marathoner would be uh, but at least sub 20 being between the range of 15 to 20% are good targets to have to work towards the more time you have the more you can work on these targets the less time you have the smaller goals you have but we work on it during this phase then when your mileage start increasing up You, this is the phase where your body is wanting to adapt to those mileages and lot of strategies we can use here especially training the gut right longer longer runs your body is hungry but your gut is dry you don't know what to add to it and you're worried that you'll have to use the washroom and you're very very worried on what to eat what not to eat and with everybody the case is that you will feel bloated you will feel uncomfortable when you try any new item but that's the whole process of training your digestive system right so the initial phases especially in your longer runs you want to try something which is which is a little heavier than what you normally do of course we have sports drinks we have gels uh, today we have a lot of things available but if you're doing a comrade sip gel will not work if you're doing a triathlon sip gel will not work you will need something else to come in so there's so many things have come up there's a dry fruit block people have people have salted dates people have all chewies everything you try but this is important that you start trying in your long runs see what works for you what doesn't work for you and then only then when you are confident ki i'm going to do gels and i'm going to do salted dates that's my strategy or no no gels you know stick on my throat i'd feel very uncomfortable i'm going to do uh, i'm going to keep that dates block or dry fruit block with me and that's what i'm going to do and maybe one gel i will eat so this needs to happen as a trial and error permutation combination thing because everybody is different every run is different and what happens on those runs you cannot predict but you have a framework this is what works for me so when you increase your mileage that's what you focus on as you go further with a little bit sorry just uh, i have i have a question um so um, just going a step back where you said you should try to be in sub 20 range from a fat percentage point of view uh between 15 and 20 is almost a sweet spot for most people who do not have running as a first life for example um now for you to be there of course there are training strategies where uh, we suggest uh, you should try to look at being in the you know so called fat burning zone 60 to 75% of your mhr and uh, that helps you metabolize your fat because of oxygen availability in your blood stream and uh, and you are able to um, use fat as an energy source not quite as efficient as carbohydrates still it works now from a nutrition point of view at this stage what would you suggest could be some of the strategies should it be fasted workout um should it be something else should it be um uh, maybe high protein or something like that what do you suggest i have some answers in my mind but i want to hear yes. from you yes yes so i think um uh, body composition perspective yes but also in terms of training strategies what i could use i'll i'll try and combine those answers so like i said every training session is different so the strategy use you use for those training sessions can also be very different and that can sort of align with your body composition goals uh, one of the classic things is training fasted right i would personally use training fasted more as a training strategy than just a body composition improving ka strategy because uh, when you train fasted especially uh, you know max 15 kilometers sort of runs Uh, or if you are even doing a little bit of hill run tempo runs i know that you need carbs as a source of fuel but if you're in the phase of making body composition changes if you try and train faster during that phase you fasted all night long so clearly your body is wanting to use fat as a source of energy now you put this body to run a 15 km which is an aerobic uh, activity so the message you're sort of delivering to your body is that i want to use fat as a source of energy i want to mobilize fat as a source of energy the minute you give it carbs then your body is confused and body prefers carbs 
quick, easy to absorb, convenient, all of that. So over fat, it will prefer carbs as a source of energy. So every time you're doing a long run, anything that's aerobic in nature, try and train faster. So automatically your training objective, which is improving aerobic capacity, aligns with fat being used as a source of fuel. And that way, eventually with training, even at slightly higher intensities, your body will still try and use fat as a source of energy. Of course, this is a training adaptation scenario. So that's one thing. Many people train high, train low, which means that if I have a hardcore VO2 max session, let me train high with carbs, right? If I have a long run, let me train fasted. Uh, people will try and train the gut. So 30 grams carbs, they will try per hour. 60 grams they'll try, 90 grams they'll try. Like I know uh, Elioid uh, Kipchoke's uh, entire sub to marathon, the way they planned their nutrition strategy, he was at 90 grams carbs, which is quite heavy. Na? And very difficult to be able to consume and sustain for two hours. For two hours. Yeah. The, those 90 grams are very, very heavy to yeah. um, have. But yeah. of course, he was using a gel that has um, that was built to have this hydrogel sort of uh, technology, Morton. And uh, that sort of made it a little easy for him to sort of digest versus the classic gels that are available in the market today. So you can use various strategies, you know, to sort of adapt. Body composition related stuff, you might have to use training fasted. And of course, you can throw in, let's say, an L-carnitine as a supplement, for example. So not just the fact that it can... Fat loss is a small effect that it can give. But the fact that it can help mobilize more fat cells into giving energy. So carnitine acts like a gatekeeper. So without carnitine, with carnitine. Without carnitine, very arbitrary. Let's say you take 10 fat uh, molecules and they're burnt into energy. With carnitine, you probably have access to more of those going in at the same time and giving you more energy. So you can use that as a strategy as well. Where should be this intervention before the training? At what stage? Like how many minutes before? Etc. So around 15-20 minutes before, 1000 mg of L-carnitine is more okay. than enough. Okay. But you need to be training fasted. Yeah. Right? If you take a banana and you have carnitine, no point. Yeah. Right? You can th throw in an espresso. Yeah. So put in a black coffee and put in your L-carnitine, train fasted. Classic strategy for uh, for fat mobilization, especially on your long runs. When you want to train your body to be more aerobic and use fat more as a source of fuel. Body composition ke liye ye sara kaam karega, but at the same time, obviously increasing a lot of fiber intake, protein intake, which is equally important. Fiber intake will obviously avoid before your Sunday runs because we don't want the tummy to be upset. But uh, on all other days, the thermogenic effect that fiber brings to the table is good for body composition changes as well as ensuring that there's some form of protein in every meal. And I feel that most runners don't consider only protein important, right? They know carbs is important for fuel, but not as much as protein, right? But I feel that that is really the key towards recovery, immunity, all of that. So your protein requirement may not be that much. Maybe it is 1.2 grams per kg body weight per day. Like for a 50 kilogram, it might be approximately 60 grams, 65 grams. But the point is that you have some good quality protein in every meal. So that 65 grams, you break it down into 3-4 meals and have. So, you're, so there's a continuous supply of amino acids all throughout. Yes, a peaks or crevices. There's continued supply of amino acids, which will ensure recovery more than anything else. Sure. Uh, you talked about caffeine and... Uh... These are interesting nuggets that keep coming. Sorry, I'll <laughs> keep asking questions and we'll we'll digress, but relevant to this uh, conversation. Uh, also, caffeine has diuretic properties, so it makes a lot of sense for you to consume caffeine in the morning. Um, but I also think uh, it should not be done almost every day, right? There is no need because at some point I've seen your body starts to get used to it. Yes. So you, like I said, <clears throat> we discuss nutrition strategies for different blocks. But your nutrition strategy on an everyday basis also should be different. Exactly, yeah. So I would do an espresso carnitine training fasted in my long run mm -hmm. based on how comfortable I am, 15 yeah. kilometer, 20 kilometer. Right. And then maybe now I start needing fuel. Yeah. But that's the place I will use it. Uh, maybe I'm doing continued pace runs. That's the place I will try and use this strategy. But let's say if I'm doing a hill run, tempo run, VO2 max, a strength session, it's not required. Because just use it for, I mean, it's important to know why you're using it, right? If you're using for fat mobilization, perfect. But if you're looking at um, just, I want my coffee, I'm getting up, I want my coffee to get, you know, through the day. Can you avoid it 
try to do it because I generally also am a believer that first thing don't have coffee. For that benefit, okay, we are trying to use it for something else. But generally when you get up, anyways, you know, you, you want to make it more alkaline. Don't put that black coffee in there, right? So my suggestion is don't try and do something on an everyday basis where the beauty of that benefit sort of goes away. Yeah. yeah, because you will get adapted. Yeah. Now, I know so many people who can have uh, an espresso and sleep, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I am somebody who, like I was telling you, I don't drink tea, yeah. I don't drink coffee. Mm. So probably if I had espresso now, I would be like, hi, I would be yeah. jumping around. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel that you get adapted to it. So use it only when you need it. No, makes uh, makes absolute sense. You talked about as we progress with mileage um, and, and as you start to train your gut. Uh, this is one phase that's so so important because uh, especially in marathon, if you have not trained your gut and you're going to try something new, you are in for a disaster. And um, now I, I understood a couple of things that uh, gel makes sense, chewies make sense. Um, you can look at the dates. A lot of people prefer, etc. I've seen some people even using chickies, etc. I don't know um, how much it makes sense or not. But... Other than that, suppose I'm planning a long run, let's, uh, let's understand, say, a three-hour long run, which is fairly relevant um, if, you are, um, if you're going for a marathon, uh, you will be training for three hours for sure. Now for that, uh, there are a couple of stages. One, um, of course, is pre-training, during, and after. Um, if we were to look at um, pre, during, and after, how would you suggest where should be um, our food intervention before training at at what stage and what should that include? Should it be only carbohydrate? Should be a little more? Um, and during training, of course, there are a couple of um, uh, points you talked about, 30 grams, 60 grams, etc. And we can talk about that. But do you think there is a there is a baseline where you can start from? And from an Indian context, um, we don't have access to almost everything as well as our taste buds are different. And so we want to eat in a particular way. So how do I plan for this Sunday long run or a mid mid-long run, if not long run, for example. Okay, so what I can give you is a framework. And with that framework, you can do your own trial and errors and see what works for you. So I, or like I was saying, like I like to work from a very preventative approach. So a night before only, I will recommend people to start hydrating with electrolytes. So start well, I mean start well, so that you don't have to suffer anything during. So as simple as whatever you prefer, your electrolyte strategy, there's so many brands available in the market today. Um, you can opt for those, but start it. Like start second half of the day before you race, try it. Of course, you'll pee it off, you'll lose something, it's okay. But at least you've started the effort of building on to something. So do that a night prior. We are Indians. So we don't necessarily need a big carb loading and all of those strategies. At least this is my opinion. We don't need seven days of or five days of that process. But I feel for a race, 48 hours are more than enough to sort of fuel your carbohydrate requirements and top them up. For a long run, dinner is more than enough. Mm -hmm. So choose a dinner that is light on your tummy and rich on carbs. Apni dal khichdi is the best option I usually tell people. Uh, and rice is a part of most of our culture. So whether it's dal rice, khichdi, rasam rice, sambar rice, curd rice, whatever you prefer, All have of that. that. All of that works. Mm -hmm. There are people who prefer, who like pastas and stuff like that. If, you, if, you, if you're comfortable with it, have it. But not before every Sunday long run, right? Um, not, not necessary that you do it every single time. But I'm saying that whatever you use as a part of your dinner, okay. because today pastas have also become a part of our yeah. everyday lives, right? Um, so if whatever is comfortable for you, try and choose something that's light and something you do normally. So those become a part of dinner and your hydration strategy. Next morning depends on when you wake up. So for example, if you're starting at 5 o'clock, <clears throat> you'll have people getting up at 3, 3.30 a.m. And when you get up, you want to do something that's easy to digest. Many people, when they get up, they want their chai and coffee, right? So that's that's a normal thing for them. Chai may have a lot of milk, yeah. which is okay. Might Some people might find it difficult to digest that just before. But because it's chai and they want it, they have it. So that is very, it's different from what the scientific jargons might tell you. But because they want their chai, they'll take it. Yeah. They'll take it. Yeah. So chai, coffee is whatever you prefer. And then have something very light. So it can be as simple as a bread jam. 
इट कैन बी अ पीनट बटर जैम सैंडविच इट कैन बी थोड़ा सा ओट्स विथ लिटिल योगर्ट इट कैन बी लिटिल ग्रनोला एंड योगर्ट वॉट एवर यू आर कम्फर्टेबल विथ आई हैव मैनी दिस इज हैपन सो मेनी टाइम्स टू मी दैट बिफोर अ मैराथन आई गेट कॉल सडनली यू नो समी गेम यू नंबर समी गेम यू नंबर मैं रेस में क्या करूँ क्या खाऊँ ना लाइक इट्स टू लेट जो आप नॉर्मली करते हो वही करो और मतलब आई कैन नॉट दिस इज द बेस्ट एडवाइस आई कैन गिव यू एट दिस पॉइंट सो इट समथिंग लाइट एंड यूल हैव टू कीप ट्राइंग दीज स्ट्रैटेजीज टू सी वॉट वर्कस एंड ब्लेंड्स वेरी वेल फॉर यू सो कीप दीज फोर फाइव ऑप्शन एंड ट्राई पीपल हैव बॉइल्ड पटेटो ऑल्सो सो यू ट्राई वॉट एवर वर्क सो यू डू दैट इन द मॉर्निंग देन वेन यू स्टार्ट फ्रॉम देर एवरी आवर द गाइडलाइन से सिक्सटी ग्राम थर्टी टू सिक्सटी ग्राम्स ऑफ काब्स पर आवर राइट Our typical gels give us anywhere between 25 grams on an average uh, of carb. So that means two gels per hour, or at least one gel per hour. Now some people find it very difficult to have so many gels, right? Even little in the when you start, it's okay, but as you go ahead, becomes, you feel uh, that throat becomes yeah, dry, yeah. and now it gets makes you feel uncomfortable. All of that. So you need to have some strategies that that go in. and the four major strategies that you need to look at and you can decide what you prefer in all of this one is fuel so you figure out ki where your carbs are coming from uh they can come from a sports drink they can come from an energy mix you know you have powders also today 250 ml you dilute and you can get that they can come from your gels chewies gummies whatever you call it so that's your one fuel angle in there uh choose those products that are multiple transport that have multiple transportable carbohydrates by that i mean just don't have something that has only glucose try and do maltodextrin glucose fructose so you have different ways in which your body can absorb your carbohydrates so that means more energy at once so try and choose something like that so that's fuel next is your electrolytes so again if you want if you're using a gel you might want to use an electrol like an ors um if you are having a sports drink you might want to use a salt tablet so decide what is your strategy for electrolytes so fuel uh, electrolytes fluids so you can't get away with that so how much ever even if you have the gel you need to sip some water over it because otherwise it gets really uncomfortable eventually so have your gel suck on it and then have some sip some water over it uh, and fourth is use of caffeine so i feel Uh, many people say that you know i'm doing a full marathon and at 30 kilometers i am so tired my legs are heavy and i can barely make it you make it because your mind is there you have to finish but can you sort of delay that fatigue and like i said like i was telling to you earlier that your cns fatigue is the first fatigue that hits you then you know body based fatigueness so i feel if you know 30 kilometers you are going to fatigue off you should plan your caffeine accordingly caffeine takes 30 to 45 minutes to kick in right so 30 km ke pehle pehle 30 minutes 45 minutes try and see if you can take a caffeine tablet today you have salt and caffeine tablet ka combinations also available so you can pop those in whatever 100 mg or take those in so you know at 30 km they'll be available so what you feel at 30 now you won't feel and you'll automatically start thinking positive that i'm not fatiguing right now you know the caffeine has worked for me so that positive reinforcement is more than enough for you to get on for a little further right and that has a massive difference on pushing and performance and all of that so that's huge the other thing you can also do is um if you know like i said if you know exactly when you get tired you can accordingly plan your gels you can accordingly plan your sports drink so i'm going to keep it open ended because there's no one strategy that fits all but i'd like to say take care of your fuel fluid electrolyte and use your caffeine wisely because if you know all of these if you include all of these bases how you want to consume matlab if you want to take a fluid in some form and tablet in the other so we'll have to figure out what really works for you but if you get this right then you're sorted for the whole marathon no this is uh, this is very comprehensive and it makes a uh, lot of sense uh keeping it open ended also makes sense for them to play with it in that range of what they think is right for them and a few important points that i took away and i want to reiterate um that is that um whatever you're going to do in the race please try for a number of times in your training uh you cannot just go and pop in a caffeine pill 
uh, or you find something in the race so you pick up and you start to consume it just doesn't help please uh, please avoid um, also in the range when you are in the training it could be that you can start at the lower end over a period of time you will see that your gut gets strained like when i start my cycle i see i start with 25 30 gram uh, an hour and by the time i'm done with my training and i'm starting taper i'm able to maybe sustain about 70 grams and still i'm not puking um, but if i started from 70 gram day one i just i can't take it um, the caffeine and and i have seen it in two marathons what happened exactly at 32 kilometers it was in my mind like what you said um i knew i, I was feeling hey i i think at 32 kilometer i am going to feel tired this was in my mind because it had happened to me in chicago once during my business school and uh, it happened both the times in chicago again and in berlin and uh, i saw later with in london actually with with caffeine it started to help me and and from the start only i was like no i am going to have caffeine whatever it takes I, even i moved to caffeinated gels and um, and that helped but i had trained of course during the during the training so that helped the point where you talked about electrolytes um i know the sweat rates are different for people and, and this question starts to come in you see the tablets that are available for electrolytes and i really like the effervescent tablets um especially chilled um they are 500 mg 1000 and 1500 um some people are less sweaters than others um do you suggest that there is a guideline for them to keep in mind or uh, they should see what works for them i think start with something as simple as an ors is what i would recommend as you go by you'll start seeing how your body reacts right whether it's so salty sweaters are quite common so you'll start seeing a ring white ring around so you know that you're sweating too much and probably you're not sort of replenishing those enough and when that happens then we are ready for a conversation of how many mgs of sodium chloride potassium do you really need but keep it generic as much as possible in terms of even if you have a simple ors even if you start with basic uh, sodium potassium electrolyte availability in tablets and effervescent tablets anything like that that's good enough for you to begin off and then when you start experiencing some issues that's when we know we need to intervene but we need to get to that point right i feel that we need to make make a small make a big foundation which is uh, which includes all of those uh, things in the list and as you go by and as you start training you'll you'll realize things that your your body can do which you never realized before so when that starts happening then we are in for another conversation altogether awesome awesome uh, makes so much sense so far um now as we move to a stage when we are trying to build power we are trying to build speed um and as our mileage is also higher we are we are almost peaking because right after we are going to taper um in this stage i have seen lot of people falling sick because uh, you need to get back to your next training session fairly quickly uh at times you'll see on hrv scale as well hrv goes down because of the the training inflammations and stressors and uh, and nutrition goes haywire um i have seen and heard that certain supplements help you as well um in certain conversations and research there has been usage of curcumin i have seen usage of beta alanine uh, there has been ashwagandha being used etc do you do you suggest a set of supplements that need to be accounted for uh, for one better recovery or at this stage of training um, or anything else for example i have also seen a lot of people just popping in multivitamins right a mega man or xyz uh, and i see by the bed i have a friend and i was visiting her and i see that she always every night she is consuming i'm like is there a purpose do you know why are you consuming and she like no i should have it because um, omega 3 this is this is all good do you think it is that way um i think that two questions in here and the first question is half the time i think it's a placebo effect yeah. so if like i said right if you believe strongly in something it will work even if it's a sugar pill yeah. but you think this is going to work it might actually just work for you so in most cases it can be a placebo effect but to answer the question there are various supplements that can work first let me talk about the recovery aspect of things because if you are able to recover better then you are ensured that your immunity is in good place and you're not going to fall sick i mean upper respiratory tract infections etc very common in runners 
cough and all of that. So you want to ensure that you recover well. That's most important. So for recovery, I think the base is a good diet. There is no, I mean, there's no other option to a good diet. But like I said, if you're deficient in certain vitamins and minerals, you'll have to supplement those. You'll have to get on the vitamin D protocol, uh, B12 supplement, iron supplement, if you're deficient on those lines. If not, like you said, these other things have really come into being a lot more now. Uh, vitamin C, you know, it is it is so potent uh, as an antioxidant and something that really helps in muscle recovery. So if you're somebody who's really suffering and chronically not recovering well, maybe that's something that you can consider. Uh, of course, you have uh, ashwagandha, but uh, source it from the right place. And that can really help you because it's an adaptogen. So it's going to help you uh, adapt to the load, to the intensity, to the stressor that you're experiencing and can really help you as well. Curcumin, like I said, but I'm still a strong believer of put your haldi kesar in your dood and That's then sleep at night. <laughs> because that Love will it. again make a lot of difference. Today you have, globally you have curcumin in tablets and capsules yeah. available. Yeah. Uh, and then everybody sort of, you know, influenced on using those. But uh, just go to your kitchen and you'll find half the things right there. I know, right. and it's also in our food almost all the time. All honestly. the time, hundred percent. Yeah. And even um, no, I know that it's not the season right now, but avlas, they are excellent. Like you take your avla and then just you know uh, put it in a mixie. I know there will be fiber around, but it's okay. Just gulp it down, and you have your daily dose of vitamin C in there. Like watermelon, yeah. great. It's rich on citrulline. Uh, it's great in terms of recovery. Uh, you have pineapple and papaya, you know, they have they have enzymes that can really work in healing yeah. of your muscles. So supplements, foods, you should know when to do what. And if you do all of this, it can really help you with recovery. So that's one angle. The second piece with respect to performance, like you said, when you talk about speed and strength and all of these things, beta-alanine acts as a great lactic acid buffer. But people don't know that beta-alanine is, is a training supplement. It's not an acute performance supplement. It takes 8 to 12 weeks for it to start acting because beta-alanine, once you take it, it sort of combines with another amino acid called histidine. Then it makes something called as carnosine. And then carnosine is the one that makes all the difference. So it's a long process. So it's not, doesn't happen overnight. So 8 to 12 weeks is what it takes. But even if you use it for 6 to 8 weeks during this block of, you know, building your speed, hill runs, tempo runs, when you're focusing on speed, pace, all of that, it will make a huge difference. So 3,000 to 5,000 mg is a very rough range that I can give you. It can go higher, but you experience a lot of tingling, etc. And that can make you feel uncomfortable. So I try and suggest do a little bit pre, do half a dose pre, do half a dose, dose post. So you get your daily dose uh, in there. And um, you also get adapted to it. So if 3,000 mg once made you feel really like this, it won't make you feel like that a month from now. So that's a great supplement. The other supplement is um, arginine slash citrulline slash nitrates, typically. And again, I like to say that a beetroot shot does the same thing because I'm a big beetroot fan. If you ever happen to meet a few athletes I consult, they'll tell you that the only thing she tells us is beetroot everywhere. <laughs> but um, that is, beetroots are excellent because of the nitrate content. and. Citrulline is the most uh, potent form, even nitrates for that matter, that help you dilate your blood vessels. So you know more oxygen, more nutrients are reaching the cell and more lactic acid, carbon dioxide is eliminated also very well. So the, the fuel delivery and the removal of waste is also very nice. So I think beetroot or nitrates could also become a very important part during this phase. And... Um, yeah, I think these two things become important. And I don't know if you want to quickly touch base on creatine. I was just going to come to the mother <laughs> of it. <laughs> yeah, so I feel that, again, I mean, I'll start with saying that strength training is also, I'm not an expert in training, but just to say that strength training is very important as a as a part of training in a life of a, of a runner. And um, two times a week, three times a week, whatever you can, you know, accumulate. But... Um, so why are you doing that? You're doing that because you want to ensure that your muscles are strong. Your entire skeletal system is strong. And uh, you also recover better with it, right? And creatine, this co classic concept of using creatine only for people who go to the gym or uh, those who are into bodybuilding or weightlifting and all of that is a classic concept that still, 
you know, is around. But I feel especially if you're a vegan or vegetarian, a very low dose, one gram, two gram, you know, done every day will also really help in maintaining your muscle strength and uh, ensuring that you're recovering well enough, ensuring that you don't land up getting into injuries. So creatine becomes a very important supplement. You don't necessarily need to do, there's a loading phase and there's a maintenance phase, all, the, all that jazz you don't need. But some supply is very important to sort of keep your strength going and keep your recovery going. Sure. And, and is this something that can be done throughout, through the entire training cycle or should be done in a particular period of it? I think you should do it in a particular period. So based on what you're working on. So for example, if you know that this phase you're working on strength and a little bit of speed, then it's a good time to do creatine. But when you're looking at uh, aerobic endurance, where your focus is only building mileages uh, and aerobic capacity, that time it won't help. So like I said, like it's important to use your supplement basis, the training you're doing. And the training objective should align with your nutrition strategy. And if that is done, then, then you're in for benefit. Because today, Dr. Google tells us everything. It tells us creatine is good, this is good, that is good, all of that. But what we don't know is, when is it good? And how much should I take it? Um, what product should I buy? Which type should I buy? Where do I go about buying these products? These questions, it doesn't really answer. True. Um, I also wanted your attention on your book, uh, which you have focused significantly um, around these products, uh, we talked about it briefly earlier uh, backstage. Uh, do you want to talk about that book and uh, how should people access it? Because I think um, uh, after we spoke, I spoke with someone outside and uh, I know she has read your book and and, and <laughs> she's our uh, nutritionist, which is good. So okay. <laughs> so I thought, um, I thought we should uh, spend some time on it and uh, why it will be good to runners. Yes, thank you. Uh, so the book is called Faster, Stronger, Higher. And um, it's, a, it's a book on periodized nutrition strategies for the track and field athlete alone. Uh, it's a first of its kind book in our country especially and especially focused on track and field. So uh, all the long distance runners would be listening to this. There is one chapter for you, but uh, it's a track and field book. So it includes everything from um, throws to sprints to jumps to middle distance running to uh, mixed events, all of that. But it's divided into three parts. The first part speaks about the foundation of nutrition. So here is where you'll have a lot of information on macros, uh, micros. And I've given it in such a way that you know if you want a calcium source, I've given you 10 sources with the milligrams that it contains for every serve. So you know exactly what to take and how much to take. So that will be very informative for you to build your base. Uh, then it goes into periodized nutrition strategies where I phase them into four training phases. So you have the general preparation phase, you have a specific preparation phase where you work on strength and speed like you said, uh, a pre-competition and a competition phase, so a taper phase and then you go into the race. So I've sort of built it into that and I've built, within that also I've given you various options of training. So today if you're doing a long run, this is what you take pre, during, post. Uh, today if you're doing a hill run, this is what you do pre, during, post. If you're doing a continued pace run, this is what you do pre, during, post. If it's a flexibility recovery session, this is what you do. I've tried to give it to you in an easy to, you know, understand and practical manner so that you just have to look at where is my long run, okay, then this is pre, during and post. You know, so something like that. And it ends with a, a chapter or a phase of special condition. So if you're a female athlete, what are the considerations that you must have? Uh, if you're a vegetarian athlete, what are the conditions you must have? If you're training at altitude, what should you do? So those bits and pieces I've added towards the end. So, awesome. yeah. <laughs> and is it available online? Can people buy it? It's available on Amazon? on Amazon, yes. Okay. Awesome. We'll also provide the, the link in the show notes and uh, that will help people purchase. I think it will be super helpful. And I'm also going to get back to you after reading <laughs> it with the with the complete feedback. Yes. Um, I think you and I can keep going all night. Uh, that is true. <laughs> Uh, and and with the with the, your permission, we'll try to do maybe a series that will help uh, people understand more about nutrition. Also, after this um, episode, we'll seek feedback of what they want to hear more of, and and then we can cover in the subsequent uh, visits. For today, I think this is more than enough. And uh, <laughs> thank you so much for so uh, for so sufficiently putting it all together. And. Uh, and then spending time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed um, talking to you. It doesn't feel like a 
you know, official podcast. Yeah. It just feels like a conversation we are having. So I've loved speaking to you. And I really hope that the conversation we've had uh, makes some difference to people who are listening. And uh, please come back with any feedback you have. And then we can come and build some topics that really make, uh, make any significant difference to their lives. Wasn't it insightful? Oof. It was so much of information, but all of it was totally worth it. Mihira is outstanding. She has promised me that we will create a series of content on nutrition. We can do this together. But for that, you need to let me know what are some of the topics that you would want to hear about from Mihira? What are some of the points concerning nutrition from a running point of view that will help you? And we will make sure in the subsequent weeks, we will dial this in and we will look to come up with content in nutrition that will help you. I hope this was very, very useful to you. And if it was, please let us know through a feedback, through a review on podcast channels. It helps us do better and it helps motivate my team and I to keep doing this. Good luck for now. I will speak with you guys next week. Same time. Bye.